Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13 this morning. We're going to read to verse number 4. Genesis chapter number 13 verses 1 through 4. Abraham returns from Egypt. Abraham returns from Egypt. Just a, just a review from last week. Remember, last week uh, Abraham had a lapse in faith. <clears throat> and this lapse in faith created a lot of other lapses in his life. He had a lapse of judgment. It, created, it caused him to compromise <clears throat> many people around him, the people that he loved. He had uh, compromised uh, even his relationship with his wife. And he should have stayed in Canaan land. God never told him to leave. Um, God never appeared to him in Egypt. And also God, it seemed that Abraham's character began to erode in Egypt. He should have stayed in the promised land, even when it was hard, even when it was difficult. He should have stayed. Amen. And it, we learn that trusting, trusting in the Lord is simply doing what he says. That's it. It's more than just a statement. We say that a lot. We say, I'm going to trust in the Lord. And I hope we understand what that means. It means that, that I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to keep doing what the Lord says, no matter what's going on in my life. Trusting in the Lord for Abraham would have been, I'm going to stay in Canaan land. That's what God told me to do. I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not going to base my decision upon my circumstances around me, no matter how hard or easy it is. You know, sometimes prosperity takes us away from the Lord. Sometimes hardship takes us away from the Lord. But Abraham should have said, I'm going to stay. I'm going to do what the Lord says. So walking by faith, trusting the Lord is that. Just doing what the Lord says. And that comes from believing what He says. So walking by faith is believing what He says. And the, ed the, the evidence of that is doing what He says. You do what he says because you believe what he says. And that's what it means to walk by faith. We believe the word of the Lord. And how do we know we believe it? We are doing the word of the Lord. We're doing what he says. We're doing it because we believe it. We believe it and that's why we do it. And so Abraham, trusting the Lord would have been that. I'm going to do what God says in the midst of a famine. I'm going to do what he says in the midst of hardship. But Abraham had a lapse in faith. Abraham's life is one of the greatest parallels of your Christian life. So God called Abraham out of darkness into the light. God called him out of the Ur of Chaldees into Canaan land. And God said, I want you to walk in Canaan land. Abraham had a lapse in faith. We all have lapse in our faith. We all have setbacks in our Christian life. But the key to today's sermon is this, and I want you to think about it throughout the sermon Abraham returned back to Canaan land. Abraham had a lapse, he had a, he, had a, he had a mishap, he had a setback, but Abraham returned back into the land of promise. God's people have setbacks, but they keep following Jesus. Amen? God's people have, have hiccups. The, the, if there's one of you today that thinks that you are without sin, 1 John 1, 9 says you are a liar. 1 John chapter 1 says you are a liar and don't know the truth. In verse 9, you can confess your sins, though, and he's faithful to forgive you of your sins. So Abraham had a lapse, but he returned. He returned back 
to the will of God. So verse 1. And Abraham, verse chapter 13, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hayah, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first, that's chapter 12, verse 8, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham left Egypt, went back to the place where he called on the name of the Lord. Do you see what's happening here? It's very, very clear, isn't it? Abraham left fellowship with the Lord, but came back in fellowship with the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. This morning, we, I ask you that your word would transform our lives. That, Lord, that you would help us to see clearly what your word has to say to us. Have us to receive it as your word to our lives. And I pray, God, you'd build up this church on your word Fill us with your spirit that we might have the power to hear it and the power to live it. Empower our lives that we might live this out and open our hearts today that we might receive it gladly. We would recognize how important this moment is in our lives, in our Christian journey. And Lord, should there be anyone here this morning that's never been saved, they've not been born again, they are in their sins they are under your condemnation. I know, Lord, Lord, their mind can never come to the knowledge of this truth. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would draw them and convict them and convince them and they'd see their great need, their lostness, their sinfulness, and they would repent and they'd believe the gospel. They would see Jesus. They would look to Him on a cross and they'd believe on Him as a risen Savior that they might be saved. I pray for this this morning. In Your name, Jesus, Lord, we ask these things. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, God's people do not stay in the world. Amen? They do not stay in the world. Many of you have testimonies where you got saved, you got born again. There was some drifting, there was a time of error, but God has brought you back. Amen? Thank God God's people do not stay in the world. Did you hear that? God's people do not stay in the world. Now notice here that Abraham, he left Egypt. And look at verse 1. And Abram went out of Egypt. Amen. That's a testimony, isn't it? He left it all behind. He went out of Egypt. That is the testimony of every Christian. They went out of Egypt. They left it all behind. Behind. So Abram went out of Egypt. What a day of victory that God was doing in his life. What an amazing moment in his life that he did not stay there in Egypt. This is a wonderful time in Abraham's life. He went down to Egypt, his life was falling apart, and he made a wise choice, didn't he? Abraham left Egypt behind. That's a wonderful statement, and I hope it's true for our lives as well. That you went out of Egypt, went up out of Egypt. You said, I'm getting out of here. This is not where I belong. This is not where I should be living. This is not what I should be doing. 
This is not the way that God has uh, called me to live. And you went up out of Egypt, just like Abraham did. This is a wonderful time in his life. Abram went up out of Egypt, but notice he and his wife in verse number 1. So he's not satisfied that he's just going out of, up, out of Egypt. He's a leader of his home. He's leading his home the right way. He's admitting he's made a mistake here. Or he would have stayed, but he's not staying there behind. May God grant men the grace and the strength to leave the world behind. Amen? And if they'll do it, their family will follow them. You know, a wife will follow a godly husband. A wife, a children will follow a godly father. And Abraham said, we got to get up out of here. I like the way it says it, went up out of Egypt. We've got to get up. We got to get up, and we got to get up, and we got to get out of this place that we're living in today. So he went up out of Egypt, and his wife, and all that he had, he took everything with him. We're not leaving our little ones behind. It reminds me of Moses when God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, You let my people go. You not only let my people go, you let our children go. You let, our, our, you let every cattle, everything on the hoof, you let them go too. We're all going. You were taking all of our possessions. We're taking everything that we have. And Pharaoh said, well, I'll let you go, but don't go very far. No, Moses said, no, we're not going, not just we're going far. We're not going to make a compromise. Pharaoh said, go, but not very far. Moses said, no, we're going far away. We're leaving Egypt behind. Amen. And listen, when God calls you out of the world, don't just leave. Short, uh, short distance. You go far away. Amen? Don't be like Lot's wife and look behind you. You leave behind. You don't just go a mile down the road. You go a hundred miles down the road. Amen? And so Abraham, he went up out of Egypt. His wife went up out of Egypt. And all that he had, and Lot, he even took his nephew with him. So Jacob, you're with me, okay? Me and you, that's right, me and you, we're leaving this world behind. Amen? I'm not satisfied if Jacob is in the world. If Jacob ever gets out in the world, I'm going to be praying that he gets back with Jesus. Amen? Everybody that's in my family, they need to come with me. Amen? All of us need to go. And that's true for your family. You got any family in Egypt? They need to go with you. Amen? And so he went up out of Egypt. His wife went and all that he had. And Lot, he even took his nephew too. He said, I'll take you with me. So Jacob, I'll take you with me too. And they went into the south. Now that's the southern part of Canaan land. It's north by our map. They didn't have maps like we had back then. So they went up out of Egypt into the south, into the Canaan land. But praise God, God's people will not stay in the world for very long. The Lord knows who are His, amen? amen? The Lord knows who are His people. And the Lord knows how to deliver His people out of temptations. He knows who are His, amen? Thank God God's people do not stay in the world very long. Now if you say you're a Christian, but you fit in with the world... That means you're of the world. But God's people are not of the world. God's people are from another world. God's people have been born from above. God's people cannot abide in darkness. 
They cannot abide in darkness. I've heard good news. I found out last week that Broston's Sunday school class is going through the book of 1 John. And if you're part of that class, you realize in chapter 1, don't you, that God is light, and in Him there's no variable of darkness at all. There's no darkness at all in God. And if anybody says, I have fellowship with God, and they walk in darkness, the truth is not in them. The Bible says they are a liar, and they do not know the truth. And if anybody says you are a, they are a Christian, but they abide in darkness, and they live in the world, then they cannot say they have fellowship with God, because God does not have fellowship with darkness. God's people cannot abide. That means live. That means make a dwelling place. That means set up camp. That means we're going to make a home here. God's people, listen to me, let the Bible speak. God's people cannot continually, constantly, perpetually abide in darkness. I'm not shocked at all that Abraham come up out of Egypt because Abraham was a child of God. Abraham cannot stay in Egypt. He can't live in Egypt. That's not his people down there. He's from literally another country. He don't belong in Egypt. He can't stay in Egypt. You know why he cannot stay in Egypt? Because he is a child of God. And God's children, listen to me, listen to the Bible, cannot abide in darkness. They can't. They can't do it. They can't have fellowship with darkness because they have fellowship with the Father. They are one with Him. They can't live that way constantly. It is impossible. They cannot sin enthusiastically for very long. Do you hear that? They can't do it. They cannot enjoy their sin. I told you before I heard a man once say, they cannot sin successfully. Now if you're enthusiastic about your sin, if you're living in sin, if you're abiding in sin, if your state is sinfulness, if you are sinning enthusiastically, listen, if you're sinning successfully, that means you can keep it up, you can roll with it, you do not have fellowship with the Father. Because in Him is no darkness at all. Amen? Let's turn to the book of 1 John. Let's just do that. And let's look at chapter, chapter number 2. In 1 John chapter number 2, look at verse number 19. Remember, God's people cannot stay in Egypt. They can't. They might go there. They might visit. They might have a lapse. They might come short. They might make a poor choice. They might have a night they regret. They might have a month or two they, I'm on the wrong path. But they cannot abide there because they are not from that country. Remember what Philippians says? I quoted it a lot. For our conversations in heaven, amen. That means our life is in heaven. That we are citizens of another land. Do you know that? We don't belong down here. That's what it means. You know how you can tell you're a Christian? Because this world don't want nothing to do with you. That's why. Because you don't belong with them. You don't hang around them. You mess up their parties. You're a killjoy to their sin. You are the salt in their eye. You are the light that shines in the darkness of their behavior. And they don't want that light. How do you know you're born of Him? You walk in the light as He's in the light. You know Him because you come to Him because you want more light. 
You want more light in your life. You want more gospel in your life. Remember, God's people can not stay in Egypt. They can't. Look at verse number 19. Amen? This is good stuff. Amen? This is the word of the living God. Amen? Look at verse number 19. They went out from us, chapter 2, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would no doubt have noticed those three words. They would have continued with us. They'd have been with us. They would have stayed with us. I don't don't mean, let's just use church for example. Notice with us, I can say that because it's with us. It's an assembly. It's a group of people. They've gathered together. It's more than one. It is plural. It is with us, this called out assembly, the ecclesia. This royal priesthood, this peculiar people. You know why they're peculiar, don't you? They're not from Egypt. They're peculiar. They're different. They would no doubt have continued with us if they'd been with us. If they'd been of us, they would no doubt. It is with assurity. It is, it is, it is with no doubt. What's that mean? There ain't no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. There is no doubt in this truth. That's what it means. There isn't no leeway here. There isn't no, well, I don't know. It's not a general parable. This is speaking with an affirmative statement. This is something that, this is the way it is. That's what God is saying. This is the way that it is. You know, in a world of wishy-washy um, uh, disinformation and misinformation and I don't know what to believe. I don't know what Fox News is saying if they're telling the truth. Amen? I don't know if CNN's telling the truth. Amen? I don't know if it's Knox, the Knoxville News Sentinel is telling the truth. I don't know. I'm glad I got somewhere I can go and I know this is telling the truth. Amen? This is telling the truth. This, there's no doubt about this. God says, for had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest. It might be revealed that they were not all of us. You know what? There's going to be more and more of this in these last days. There's going to be more and more where getting with us is going to become more and more a less priority in people's lives. It is. Don't be shocked. Don't lose faith by it. You know how you can tell you have real faith in these last days? I don't care what you people are doing. I'm following Jesus. It don't matter. It don't matter if there's 10 people here. I'm following Jesus. Amen? There's going to be more and more of this in the last days. There's going to be a bunch of people that say, I know Him, but in works they deny Him, right? There's going to be a bunch of people that say, I know Him, but they walk in darkness, and we're going to see We're going to be able to see. Because if they're going to continue with us, it'll prove that they're of us. But if they go out, it's going to be no doubt it's going to prove that they were not of us. Because they're not with us. No doubt. Amen? Because there'll be more and more of that. You get ready for it, okay? You remember I told you. It's going to be more and more and more and more. Look at verse number 20. So, verse 19 talks about people who were staying in Egypt. Verse number 20 talks about why you can't abide there. Verse 20, but ye, God's people, have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. It means there's an unction from the Holy One. What is that? You have God's Holy Spirit living in you. 
You know the truth. You know the truth. You know the truth. That means Egypt, Egypt, listen to me, Egypt can't change your mind. The world can't change your mind. You know why? Because you have an unction from the Holy One. Then you have a greater influence in you than that's out there in the world. We live in an influencer generation, don't we? Uh, people make millions of dollars being a TikTok influencer. Millions. I mean, people are getting rich making influencer videos. Uh, how you do your makeup or how you cut the grass. All, there's a greater influence, though, than what's in the world. And it's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you know Him, He will influence your life. And how do you know that you know Him? It'll be made manifest that you belong to Him. You have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Look at verse number 27. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. Abideth in you. Notice that. This anointing which you have received of Him, it abides in you. It stays in you. It is, it is a permanent fixture of your life. It's a greater influence than the power of Egypt in your life. It's a greater influence than outside influences because it's in you. It's in you. It's not, it's not around you. It is in you. It's who you are. It's your personality. It is the power of your mind and your life and your body. It doesn't mean that your flesh sometimes don't come short of, of, of God's glory, but what it means is that you won't do verse 19, they went out from us, because you have an unction from the Holy One, verse number 20, and it abides in you. It's in you. It's in you. See, the moment that you got born again, at that moment, when you repented and believed the gospel, in that moment, God's Holy Spirit indwelt your life. In that moment, God made His abode in you through the power and the person of the Holy Ghost. In that moment when you repented and believed on the Lord Jesus, He sent you another comforter and He is in you. He teaches you all things, don't He? You know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. He teaches you all things. Nobody has to show you anymore. That don't mean you don't get to learn about the Bible and learn new things, but you know you know all things. I know this much. I know enough. I can't live in Egypt. I can't live there. This is not my home. God's people cannot stay in Egypt. They can't. You say, I don't know about that. That's what it says. It says that. It's so clear. Stop making your own religion. Stop coming up with your own ideas. Stop coming up with your own, well, I think it means that. Stop letting the world teach you what Christianity is. Amen? Stop letting lost people and unspiritual people tell you what the Bible says. Let just the Bible tell you what the Bible says. It, 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 let's just do what it says. Amen? Let's follow Jesus. Let's, let's listen to the man, 1 John, who saw... Who, let's, let's listen to John who saw Jesus dying on a cross 
and had his arm around Jesus' mother Mary at the foot of the cross. Let's listen to him. Let's listen to the one who suffered for his namesake. Let's listen to the one who Jesus called him his beloved. Let's listen to the one who put his head on Jesus' chest. Let's listen to the one who saw Jesus walk on water. Let's take the advice of the one who saw Jesus alive after he was dead. No, I'm going to listen to somebody who's wishy-washy, in and out of the house of God, unspiritual, no Christian fruit, no, no manifestation that they know God, constantly abiding in darkness, always choosing the convenient route. When the going gets tough, they go some other direction. They're in and out. They're wishy-washy. They're here, they're there. And when it really gets put to the test, they fail every single time. I'm not trying at all to create a sense of elite judgment in our hearts and minds that you're somewhat better than anybody else. You are what you are by the grace of God. Amen? You are a sinner doomed and down to a devil's hell. And the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ saved your wretched, miserable, impoverished, bankrupt soul. And you're saved by the grace of God alone. Amen? So let us, if we boast and brag, let us boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But does not Jesus have power? If he abides in you? You say, you, you preach about this a lot, and I can't help it, Nelda. If Jesus abides in you, then surely he'll be coming out of you. Surely. Amen. Remember in the book of Mark, the Bible says it was noise that Jesus was in the house. You, it's so evident. There's stuff happening. People's lives are being changed. People are getting healed. People are giving their sins forgiven. People are around. Is Jesus in your house? Let's, let's talk about your house being, let's, let's use it as a metaphor. Your soul is, is a house. Is Jesus in your house? It should be noise that Jesus is in the house. It should be noise. It should be evident. But the anointing which you have received abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and it is no lie. And even as it hath been taught you. Verse 27, 1 John chapter 2. Ye shall abide in him. Why? Because he abideth in you. Did you notice that? Verse 27. He abideth in you, ye shall abide in him. You can't get away from him. Wherever you live, he lives. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> See what happens? That's why you say, I got to get out of here. This ain't the place for the Lord. Wherever he lives, you live. You know why you shall abide in him? Because he abides in you. And he's stronger than you. And he lives inside of you. So the greater influence on your life will not be the world. It won't be your surroundings because it's not in you. Jesus is. You're not of the world. We might as well do John 4, 4, 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, 
and have overcome them. Why? Why did Abraham overcome Egypt? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Notice the word greater. Jesus is greater than outside influence. Jesus is greater than outside environments. Jesus is greater than anything around you, and he is in you. And what's going to happen then? It'll make a difference, won't it? Stop making your own religion. Follow the Bible. Christians cannot sin enthusiastically for long. Abraham must have had this thought constantly in his life. I'm not living where I'm supposed to be. You ever had that thought? I'm about through. i got to go to a wedding. You ever had that thought? I told Brittany, hey, after service, we've got to get out of here today. So if I slip out quick, that's why, okay? Brittany's probably like, let's go. Christians can't sin enthusiastically for long. So Abraham must have had this thought while he's in Egypt. He probably thought at first, this is working out, this is where I need to be, I'm doing the right thing, because disobedience always seems reasonable at first, that's why you do it. It always seems like the right thing to do, that's why you're doing it. He's making the wrong choice. Why? He's not trusting God, he's not living by faith, he's not doing what God says, it's proven he's not living by faith, because faith is proved by works. And works proves that you believe. You got it? And so, I bet he had this thought. That while in Egypt, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. You ever had that thought? I've had. Me and you nailed it, ain't we? I appreciate what she said today. If I could summarize it, I hope I don't get it wrong. She said, like the rest of us, sometimes I'm not where I need to be, but I love the Lord. You know that makes a lot of sense. You know what? Where she is right now? Because she loves the Lord. That's faith. Amen? You ever had that thought, I'm not where I need to be? I'm not where I need to be. The anointing, the Holy One, the Holy Ghost abiding inside of you is saying, you're not where you need to be. You need to get on up out of Egypt. You need to get up out of Egypt. Isn't the Bible amazing? Isn't that cool? You need to get up out of Egypt. Is God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Spirit of God? You know why? You know why the Abraham couldn't run from God in Egypt? Because who was abiding in him? Wherever Abraham went, God went. The Holy One, the anointing, abided in him. He's, he's the father of faith. He, was, he believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He wasn't where he needed to be. And Abraham said, Sarah, God's been dealing with me. You ever done that? I've been on the wrong path. I'm going to get up. We're all going to go. And we're going back home. We're going back. And what is that proving now? He belongs to the Lord. He don't belong to Egypt. God called him out of Egypt. And where did he go? In Genesis 12, 8, he went, when he first went to Canaan land, he built him a little church. He built an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And where did Abraham go back to? Where did he go back to? He went right back to Bethel. Right back there. And there, 
He went, our text says that he went, he went where his tent had been at the beginning, under the place, verse 4, which he had made at the first. So how, how did he get back to God? He simply went where it all started. You and I, it's Calvary. It's the foot of the cross, isn't it? No matter how, how far we've went, he went far down to Egypt. He went back to Bethel. And isn't it wonderful today that you can go back? Now, if you go back, what's that mean? You, you, you are his sheep, you heard his voice, and a stranger you will not follow. And he's calling you back to him under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. How do you get back to the Lord quickly? And I'm through. Many people ask, how do I get right with God? I'm a Christian. I, this, this holy one inside of me is saying, you need to get back. You're not where you need to be. Here's what you do. Number one, you leave Egypt behind. You've got to stop doing what you're doing. It's that simple. It's just that simple. You've got to leave Egypt behind. Because that's what's keeping you from a right relationship with God. God never appeared to Abraham while he's in Egypt. Some of you thinking, I want to feel God's spirit. I want, to, I want to feel closeness to his presence. I want it to be like it used to be. Then you've got to stop doing what you're doing. You have to stop. Today's the day to stop. You've got to leave Egypt behind. You've got to leave the world behind. Number two, it's just two steps. Call on the name of the Lord. And Abram called on the name of the Lord after he left Egypt behind. You've got to stop doing what you're doing. And you've got to call on his name. Now that's something between you and him, isn't it? You know what to say. You know what to do. To leave Egypt behind, you've got to go. And you've got to call on his name. When's the last time you had a good prayer of repentance? And Lord, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I ought to be. I'm going to leave it behind. God's people cannot abide in the world. They can't, they can't sin successfully. They won't. They won't do it. And call on His name. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm glad He's a gracious God, aren't you? I'm glad He will forgive you. Over and over again, <laughs> He's forgiven me. You know why? He wants you with Him. He's anxious to forgive you. He freely gave His Son for your salvation. He, he's, he is for you, not against you. If, if it was a hundred times in a row, He would still have His arms outstretched, wouldn't He? Still yet, He says, come unto Me. He still yet says, come. And the devil tells you, well, you've done this thing a thousand times. I find no prohibition in Scripture where you cannot leave Egypt a thousand times. God wants you to leave Egypt. The devil says you can't go. You've been there too long. But God wants you to leave. The intent is in the death of His Son. God's heart is on display and He says, come to Me. Whosoever will, let them come to the fountain of life freely. Let them come. You come to Me. He wants that from you. He wants to have fellowship with you. Now listen, His sheep will hear His voice. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. But some of you will not come. Some of you will not come. You will not believe. 
But for those that have ears to hear, you come. Let's stand to our feet.